Hello, I'm C. Stephen Ellis, novelist, and this is my podcast, The Writer's Mind. Here we will discuss all aspects that relate to the craft, business, and creative side of writing. For more information or a transcript of this podcast, please go to my website, www.cstephenellis.com, and that's Stephen with a V. So focus your ears because it's time to step inside the writer's mind. Hello and welcome to episode two of the Writer's Mind podcast. I'm your host, C. Stephen Ellis. So, uh, I front-loaded the first two episodes of this podcast in order to set it up on iTunes. Uh, I say that so that you know from this point forward, I will publish a new episode every other Wednesday, which means that episode three will be published on April 5th. As far as having two episodes... Uh, on iTunes, you don't have to do it that way, but I thought having more than one podcast listed was a better idea, so that when people go to iTunes, they'll see that there are at least two to choose from. In any event, I want to address my pre-interview remarks today to those of you out there who like to do it themselves. DYI people. These are the people who, for whatever reason, be it time, money, skill set, or just bragging rights, I guess, want to say that they did it all. They do it themselves. I'm talking about building your website, updating your website, producing a podcast, ups- uh, updating the podcast with iTunes, just all of it. And I want you to know that I have done it myself. I'm here to tell you with all due pride and humility that it's a pain in the ass. If you're listening to the writer's mind, then I have to assume you're a writer. And if you are a writer, then you should be writing. Don't waste your time building a website, creating your podcast, and managing all of the above because I'm here to tell you they are time sucks. I'm not sure why I insisted on doing it myself, although deep down I believe it's a form of procrastination. I can't work on my third book until everything is in its place. My website has to be perfect. My podcast has to have the episodes all lined up. So, who knows? Perhaps you're better at managing your time than I am. Perhaps you're the type of person who can set aside hours to write and then work on building your website. So, maybe, you know, from 6 a.m. to 10 a.m. you can write and then you can spend the rest of the day working on getting your website built and in place. If you can, good for you. I can't do it. I've yet to develop that skill. Someday, maybe, but not right now. And my suggestion to you is that you don't do it. Get a friend to do it. Pay someone to do it. Because unless you have the technical skill set required to build a website or record a podcast, the learning curve is so steep that what should take days takes weeks. How's that for being uplifting? (laughs) All right, so that said, um, those of you who want the geeky details of what I did, send me an email at cellis at cstephenellis, that's Stephen with a V, and I will send you a nice bullet list of what I did and how I did it. Be forewarned, it will be technical. All right, let's get to today's interview and listen to Kristen Howe tell us how to stop sabotaging ourselves, not just with our writing, but with everything else we do. Hi, today at The Writer's Mind, we are talking to Kristen Howe. 
Kristen Howe is the creator of Law of Attraction Key. Now, more than that, she's the, uh, you're a coach, you're a pro productivity coach, you're uh, basically helping people live more positive lives, right? Okay. Got it. Okay, so <laughs> Kristen and I, of course, have known each other for a number of years. I know a lot of her stories. There are some that I'm hoping I'll discover on this. And also, I uh, want to know a little bit about your background. So tell us, uh, from your days in New York, tell us about yourself. Okay, so days in New York, I was uh, a Broadway, I did Broadway and national tours as an actress, singer, dancer for like 15 years, um, which was an amazing thing. Uh, between shows at one point, uh, decided to take up dog walking. Um, and, uh, you know, I'm still acting, I'm still doing all of that stuff out here on the on the West Coast. Um, and, uh, but then most notably, what kind of started my shift into what we're doing uh, and what we're talking about here is um, I, I needed a break. I needed a break from uh, shows. I needed a break from it, which they're a brilliant thing, by the way, that is a brilliant lifestyle. And as a fellow creative, uh, it's an amazing thing that feeds you, but I'm sure you all know what it's like to have uh, the thing that feeds you start to not feed you for a little bit of time. And so I needed a break. And um, I needed a break from the dog walking. My God, I love dogs, but boy, did I need a break from all of that. And it was a lot of walking in Manhattan in the rain. And there was a lot of picking up of poop. And it just, it finally was like, you know what? I need a break. Um, through a very long story that I won't bother getting into, but the, the, the basic version of it is I was looking for something. I've always been one of those people that just kind of throws hooks in the water and uh, darts at a board or not at a board, just throws darts. And uh, luckily, things tend to come of it. <laughs> and uh, so I reached out to this guy who I'd been reading his book. It was sort of, um, yeah, it was, it was mindset stuff. It was, you know, high performance coaching type stuff. And I reached out to him. I knew he was in New York. And I said, hey, if there's anything I can ever do uh, for you, I'm in New York as well. I'm a Broadway actress. And just let me know. And he... Oddly enough, uh, he emailed me right back and he said, yeah, you know, it's funny you say that I'm running an event in New York City. And I said, and he said, I'm getting really stuck on how to do it and like where to have it. And I said, you know what, I'll take care of it. I had no idea what I was doing, by the way. I just was like, I'll take care of it. So long story short, I put the whole thing together. No clue what I was doing. We had it at a dance studio where I would rehearse shows. Um, people flew in from all around the country. And by the end of that year, I had created an entire sales team for him and was running the sales team as well as the entire coaching staff. Again, um, these were sure they were things that I did. You know, I was always the person in the show that people would come to and we'd sort of figure out how to not sit and get stuck in our story of gloom and doom, but you know, how can I help you see the potential in you and what really, how incredible you are. So this is something that I'd always kind of done naturally. So, so this, I'm sorry to interrupt, but just this sure. person that you, you're the man that you reached out to, was he a, I mean, what was he? Was he a mindset guru? Was he? Yeah. So, and I, I just, um, just for, uh, purposes. His name, actually, I can tell you, his name is Mike Lippman. He wrote a book called Conversations with Millionaires, um, where he interviewed people like Robert Allen and all these people. And, um, and I had connected to that book based on the fact that at that point I was just consuming that stuff for me. Got it. Um, and so I just, I reached out to him and yeah, it turned into a, a whole thing where, you know, over that year, I think he was, when I first came in, he was doing, I don't know, I think like 20 grand a month. And then by the end of that year, it was a million dollar sales team. So um, it was kind of a wow. cool, yeah, it was kind of a cool thing. And I went, oh, I, I kind of might be good at this stuff and I enjoy it. And I was also coaching. Um, so, yeah, so that's how I sort of started to transition into this this side of things. Like I said, I still, it was all built around and as writers, you guys get this. Um, you want to build your life around what you want your life to be, uh, right? Isn't that like a thing? You're not wanting to be like, you know, tucked under a desk unless you have to be. Or um, So that's really the, the impetus behind this was how do I allow myself to do the creative projects that I want to do um, and still am feeding this other side of me as well as 
you know, I'm paying for it. <laughs> so, so I well, there is that. Yeah. Well, you know, you can take interesting projects that you might not have been able to take. Um, so it, it, it was a cool way to sort of create a, a life. You know, I always say that people look at things and go, oh, that would be a dream job. And I'm like, well, that dream job probably didn't exist before that person came up with it as a possibility. So that's kind of what I did for me. How long, how long ago was that? Uh, that was in 2002 that I was working with Mike. Right. Um, you know, and then I've, you know, so I've been doing this stuff for a lot more years than I just realized. <laughs> I just, wow, I just but you don't there. look it and that's important. <laughs> well, <thank you. laughs> that's all that matters. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> yeah, so exactly. how do you go from working with somebody to suddenly mm -hmm. doing this on your own? So I booked the show. Um, actually, it was a show that I did Annie on Broadway and a guy I did it with uh, came to me and said, darling, I wrote you a show. And I said, great. And sometimes that can be great. And sometimes it cannot be great. And this one happened to be really fun and campy and um, featured me brilliantly. So I was very grateful for that. And the show got picked up to come out to L.A. And so with Mike, I said, look, here's the deal. I can't be in the office. <clears throat> and um, there was some resistance to that at first. And I said, but let's uh, just because there wasn't the time of that. Like now we're in an era of everything's remote. That was just beginning. You know, this was what, 2006 at this point. So that was just all becoming a thing where you might not all be in the same place doing the same thing. And uh, I said, you know, I'll still, here's what I can do. I can't commit to all of the stuff I've been doing, but I can uh, still, you know, close sales calls. Um, and I can still coach. And he said, okay. So I came out to the West Coast and that's what I was doing. And then um, he very nicely called me at some point and he said, you know, we had a big event and everybody was asking for you. I really think you should do this thing on your own. And I was like, nah, I don't know. Um, Cause that felt like, yeah, I'm great at making you a big, brilliant thing, which is funny as a performer that I was resisting that. Um, in the meantime, ended up working for another uh, sort of guru who's much more in the very like hypnosis side of things, uh, law of attraction side of things. And um, which now I have half that company. So that was another weird story, which I won't get into now. But, I don't know. Uh, we kind of like weird stories. Yeah, We're kind like of into that. Stories. Okay. So, it, you know, it's, uh, I, when I first moved out here, I did not have any money. I mean, it was, good luck, figure this, figure this out. I came out here for a show. I came out for what I wanted to be doing. And oh man, did I not have money? Um, and so I was like, okay, well, I, I saw this thing on the internet for a program that I, it really resonated with me. And I was like, I need to get this thing, but it was $177. I will never forget that. And, uh, I was like, oh man, I got to do it. So I buy the program and it comes to me, uh, in the mail, and so it comes to me, it's the right program, but for some reason, the wrong name is on the package. So I don't know why I cared. Um, I have my program. Like, what do I care? I decide to send off an email because, you know, I've done this thing and I'm like, hey, just so you know, the wrong name is on the package that could get a little dicey for your customer service. So just a heads up. The, the guy now, it's not the guru. It's his sort of marketing person sends back. Um, oh, thanks so much for letting me know. Yeah, we're having a terrible time uh, with customer service. I'm trying to do it, and it's just too much. And so I said, I'll do it. <laughs> um, again, not really knowing what I'm doing. And uh, he said, okay. So again, long story short, um, this guy, who the marketing guy who was running things, great guy, but he's uh, something shiny. And I used to be something shiny, but he's something shiny to levels that I could only ever aspire to. And he got himself really derailed and the business started to really tank. And I started to go, oh, God, my meal ticket is going away. And at this point, I'd started my own blog. So I was sort of on my way with my stuff. I was like, OK, because I had all the connections. Right. So I knew it was just a matter of time of me getting my stuff written. So I had to figure it out, juggle it. And so uh this, the guy decided he wanted to leave the company because he wasn't any, making any money. He got a different client. And so I threw my hat in the ring to the 
guy in Australia who's the guru. And I said, hey, you know, I'm happy to do this. So now I have 50% of the company. Um, needless to say, it took off, which is great. We've run it parallel to to my company and I'm thrilled. It's not actually my company. It's my business partner's company. Um, but uh, that was a just, again, another one of those cool, bizarre stories where you're like, I don't know why I'm sending this email. Um, and so it was the encouragement of those people. And just one day I was like, I think I'm going to start a blog. And then it caught on and I started to do stuff and speak more. And, you know, I'd been coaching all along, but then I was coaching just as me, not for someone else. Um, and that's, here I am. <laughs> no, it's interesting that you say that. Cause I mean, that actually kind of speaks to, you know, not, not necessarily the center and please correct me. Uh, but you know, it's kind of speaks to, you know, look, it's, there's, Providence happens, you know, especially when you need it, especially when you're ready for it. Uh, You know, favorite thing of of, uh, writers, a favorite quote of writers would be, you know, trust in Providence in terms of your story because you don't know what the hell your story is going to end or how it's going to, how a character is going to get out of the jam that you put them in. And you just have to trust to Providence somehow Mm -hmm. that that it will come to you. Right. And that's, it sounds like that's what happened to you. Yeah, absolutely. And it's funny. I'm glad you said that because one of the things that I teach is, um, you know, the secret that came out, what was that in 2009 or something? Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, and that's a huge thing. And that's great. There, a lot of what's taught in there is great. Unfortunately, what a lot of people uh, walked away from it thinking was that, you know, I just have to sit in the middle of my living room and think about things that I want and uh, they'll show up. And, and that's, the, that's what I thought. Well, and, and, yeah. and I get that. And, and so a lot of the people I work with are people that thought that um, and then were very, very disappointed. And here's the thing. That's not wrong. It's just that then when the thing that you want comes and rings the doorbell, you actually have to get up and answer the door. And so that's, you know, the providence that you're talking. Yeah, you, you, providence is going to stuff's going to show up all the time that is just brilliant and has opportunity, you know, seeping from it. Um but if we're not first training ourselves to look for that as opposed to what's wrong with everything, uh, which is, you know, just we're all addicted to that. We're addicted to negative proof as opposed to positive proof. Um, and I know that can be really hard because we were talking about this before as writers. Uh, you know, what is what is this? What makes a story brilliant? The struggle. So it's it's hard as a writer to be invested in the struggle that you're writing. But Here's the thing I would say to that, because you you did bring this up. Um, You, I believe, as a writer, and correct me if I'm wrong, you typically know that if you're getting into the struggle, you know that there is going to be a resolution. Am I I right about that? Well, yes. Uh, But, you know, again, my point to that at that point was, I mean, what we were discussing before we actually started was that, you know, as a writer – we are looking to get our characters into uh, deeper and deeper shit, basically. You have to. <laughs> and, and, I mean, that's what makes a story interesting. Yeah. Um, but it's also endemic. It's something that's natural to us as people to look at the negative side of things because we're always looking at things that can cause greater problems. Right. Right. Yeah, we're we're hard we're hardwired that way. We are right. hardwired for where's the saber tooth tiger uh, that's going to kill me. The thing is that our reality is very different, but it's the same thing. So that's why we'll get with something that is not that life threatening. We will get flooded with the same instincts as if it were life or death. So the the problem becomes that everything uh, starts to take on that feeling. And especially with the pace that we're all moving at and the the access that we have, when you start looking for that proof um, and the negative proof, you're going to find it. You're going to find it everywhere. You are going to find it at lightning speed. You are going to find it 24-7. All you have to do is click on this link, that link, but you're going to find it. So that's a lot of times what I work with people on is how do you become, you're addicted to finding proof. That's it. You're hardwired to find proof. So stop trying to be hardwired to find proof. What you can do, though, is you can flip the coin and you can become a proof detective, so to speak, for positive proof. And the the catch, the thing that people get really, really caught up on with that is that what's the other thing we're taught? We're taught to um, see, you know, I really want money and then I, I don't have money. 
So I a look for proof that I don't have money. Okay, then there's then there is I look over at that guy and he has money. All right, so I I hate it. How how is this different from um, self fulfilling prophecies? You know, it like, is self fulfilling. It prophecies. is. Oh, it is. It's exactly that then. Hundred percent. Okay. So what okay. happens? Yeah. No. And, and there's a whole like there's a whole cycle of it. So we start looking. So the our job now becomes fulfill a different prophecy. But which proof you're looking for is up to you. I can't decide which proof you're looking for. That's why two people can look at the same scenario and one of them goes, that was shitty. What did that person just say that for? And the other person's like, did you see what, what she was wearing? Or, you know, whatever it is. <laughs> I don't know why the fuck in my head. But, you know, that's okay. up to you. Yeah, sure. <laughs> whatever. Um, so the, the key becomes, and where, where we get caught up a lot is we think that if we see the proof of what we want in someone else's life, we should hate it. We should be pissed off. We should hate that person. We should. And here's the thing from a universal laws standpoint, and by the way, I'm not this like woo woo person. I am all about use universal laws. And then what is the inspired action that you need to take? You know, it's high impact coaching is not just going to be like, oh, I feel so good. Um, <laughs> but from a universal standpoint, if you're looking at this person going, I want money, and that person has it, and they suck, and blah, blah, guess what the universe is going? Oh, she, she hates money. I don't, so you're training yourself so to hate the very thing. You are in a complete vibrational disharmony with the very thing that you desire. So you so, have to start looking for the proof, whether it's in your life or not. So are you also shifting focus? I mean, it's kind of, yeah. you know, uh, you 100%. know. When you be, not when I say when me, like neither one of us have gone through this, but like my neighbor, you know, when she became pregnant, yeah, all she saw were pregnant women. Yep. So is that what is is that? Yes. In a way, you know, it's that same thing. Kind of, you're altering your focus. So when you you think that you know I have no opportunity in my life, therefore there are no opportunities available. But when you say there are opportunities everywhere, I just have to look at them. Suddenly, you're you're shifting your focus. You know, from here to here. Yep. And, and that's and how that's, that's such a great, uh, the pregnant woman, or when you, you know, when you're looking to buy a car and you're like, I think this happened to me years ago where I was like, I think I want to get the Jeep. This was back in like the nineties. And then suddenly there were Jeeps everywhere. Now, granted there were Jeeps everywhere, but that was like the only car. So the, the, the point I make with people all the time, which I'm so glad you brought this up is you're already really good at this stuff. This like the secret stuff, this manifesting stuff, you're already really good at it. It's just, you're doing it by accident. And so how can you do it on purpose? And some of that, yeah, the, the focus shift is huge and learning how to do it. Let me give everybody a, a great tip. This is actually, um, use it for good, not evil. Could be very helpful even in writing. Um, it's, it's a great way to get past objections. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, it, this is one of those weird things that it works to get past objections. And this includes objections in yourself. Um, so even if you're writing and you're like, I can't figure out where this is going, and you, this will work for that as well. Um, the, the question format goes something like this. First, you agree with the objection. So give me, give me something. Give me like... Well, let me ask you this. I mean, very much... It, often a writer, especially a novelist, uh, yeah. will be involved in the story. And, yeah. you know, they have those wonderful moments where they're going, this is great, this is great. But more often than that, this is crap. Why am I wasting my time doing this? Why is this... I'm horrible. What should, why am I doing this? Things aren't going right. Perfect. Okay. So you start by agreeing with the objection. Cause what are we taught to do? Oh, no, no, we, you know, what would our friends do? No, no, no. Oh, cry. Right. It's great. And what do you then do? We, if, if we get um, resistance to something that we are feeling, we want to dig in our heels and feel it even more. Then we're like, no, it's really bad. Even though it kind of makes you feel better for a second. No, it's really bad. Like, so let's not do that. Let's not feed the, you know, let's not fan the flames of the resistance. Instead, you agree with it. So to yourself, you'd go, all right, well, I know I feel like I'm a piece of shit right now. And there's no reason I'm doing this. And then you open up your mind to possibility and you say, so you've already agreed with it. So what does your brain do? It relaxes because it doesn't have to fight for it. Right. right? You're not, you're not, you're not arguing with yourself exactly so your brain relaxes and goes oh okay good all right she 
totally understand. I like that I'm talking about my brain as if I'm a separate person. We well, actually, discuss that later. We've, we've kind of known that about you your whole life. Like, yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, and then what you do is you open up possibility and you pose a question. Now, here's why you're going to pose a question. Your brain can, you can choose not to answer a question, but your brain cannot ignore a question. So that's cool. Uh, and you can use it. So you say, okay, I know you think you're you're full of shit. You have no right to be doing this. The story is going nowhere. What am I even doing this for? Like you're wondering what your purpose is. But if you did have a purpose in writing this part, in writing this story, in even going through this part that's really struggle-filled, what might it be? And you're opening up possibility. And this you is... First you say this to yourself. These are questions. You can say really it to yourself. I'm also going to give you an example of how I used okay. this in a very practical sense okay. to really bring it home. Um, so you're, you're, you're disarming the resistance by agreeing with it, going, yeah, I know you feel that. You're not saying it's true. You're saying, I, I know you feel like that. I know you feel like you have no idea where this story is going to go. But if it was going to go somewhere, if inevitably it was going to go somewhere, what are three options of where it might go? Your brain, you could choose not to answer it, but your brain cannot ignore it. You've instantly set it into that mode. I see. It's one of those things, just try it. It's crazy how it works. Here's the practical real, real world example. One of my sales guys back during that time, he was like, Kristen, this driving me crazy. I can't get through the wife that answers the phone that doesn't want to let me through, the husband that answers the phone that doesn't want to let me through. I can't get through them. I said, okay, so I taught him this. This is how the conversation went. It's one of my, it makes me laugh every single time. This woman answers the phone and she's one of those people, he's got her own speaker, where you can see her face just based on the tone of voice, where you're just like, this is possibly the angriest. Yes, exactly. Just a clenched fist of a face. Um, and so he's like, hello, is John there? And she goes, no. Okay. Do you know when he'll be home? No. And I looked at him. I looked at Sean, my guy, and he looks at me and he's, you know, it takes, it takes balls to do this, right? He's like, all he wants to do is hang up the phone because he's got the meanest lady on the planet. And he goes, I know you don't know when he'll be home, but if you did, what time might it be? And she went, probably about eight o'clock. <laughs> and done. That's too okay. funny. So our, because you can't, like, it's just, it, you, he agreed with her, which allowed her to relax. And then she told him what he needed to know. So that's why I say use it for good. Now um, that, that actually sounds... Uh, I know this is a little off topic, but it sounds a little mm -hmm. bit like uh, uh, neuro linguistic programming. NLP, sure. And I don't it's, know. Are you familiar with that? Yeah, yeah. Oh, so okay. it, it it bridges over into NLP stuff. Um, NLP, a lot of times there will be, you know, you use anchors of. I, I'm not certified in NLP, so please, I'm just sort of talking of things that I have heard through. You, you around just play. Play one it on is, television. It's very yeah. much in my world, so obviously I am, uh, I am party, I am cocktail familiar with it. Let's put it that way, cocktail party familiar. Uh, <laughs> you know what I mean? Where people yeah. are going to, wow, she just knows, and I'm like, no, thank God, the conversation didn't continue. <laughs> <laughs> that was it. <laughs> um, so yeah, NLP I think will get a lot more based in, you know, it's it's working with your subconscious, you know. 5% of your brain, if you picture an iceberg, what is it? 5% of the iceberg is above the surface and the rest is below. Uh, that's how our brains are. That's our subconscious brain. So yes, um, NLP works to trigger your subconscious, get it in alignment with your conscious mind because most of our conflict comes from those two things being out of alignment. Um, so yes, that would be a tool that, that I don't know if it's officially NLP, but it probably falls within those guidelines somehow. Okay. That's, it's just interesting because obviously this guy was in a cold call situation. Yep. And so he was trying to, you know, remove the, the objections of the person on the other line. But the idea of, of saying, listen, I agree with you. I don't know. I know you don't know when will she, when, but if you did, when would he wait? Oh, yeah, I don't know, three. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, that just seems like it's it's almost it's almost a trick, you know. It's uh, but sure. But 
before we went to this this example that you give, you're also talking about using it in a, an internal way. Yes. Way. Uh, in fact, I encourage <laughs> I encourage it more. I mean, it's it's great for communication when again used in a positive way because most often. Resistant, you're not getting, by using it, you're not getting someone to do something that they didn't want to do and that's not good. For, you're just getting them out of resistance, right? To see if there is anything there. You know, I've had uh, like a free strategy. I, I'll do a strategy session with someone before they come into my um, high-end coaching. And because for as much as they need to see if I'm the right person, I need to see if they're the right person. Um, otherwise, what are we doing here? Um, so I'll, I'll use that sometimes if there's a lot of resistance, there have been times where the resistance gets dropped, but what's revealed is, yeah, we should not be working together. Right. So it's not about getting someone to do something you don't want to do. It's about seeing what's really going on because resistance typically is it's us. It's we're protecting ourselves. Right. I know, but still in my mind now, I've got this scene where a guy is talking to a girl. And he goes, listen, I know you don't want to date me, but if you did, where should we go? Okay. <laughs> and there is that. I don't know if that would work or not, but it, it, it would work in my book because it's You know my how book, it would – right. Well, or it would work in the I know you don't want to date me, but if you did, what might be three of the reasons why? Yeah. Oh, well, even better. Right. It's So it's taking it to – um, and that's a good example of it's that's not necessarily better for the scene because the other kind of is funnier where she's like, oh, oh martinis, yeah. you know. <laughs> yeah. Um, but it, because what that does is that makes your brain go, oh, it, what you're doing is helping the other person shift their focus. Right. Now, they can decide not to join you there. They might be like, screw you. And that's fine. They have it. Remember, I said your brain cannot ignore a question. It can, you can choose not to answer something. There might be times where someone will choose not to answer something. It's not like a full on Jedi mind trick. You know, you're not, it, but it does at least lower the resistance so that you can see if there's a conversation there to be had. And right. so, yes, right. use this on yourself because the most resistance we experience in this world is within ourselves. So, let me circle back to something then that you talked about earlier, which was, um, it's not enough to sit in the middle of a floor and, you know, cross-legged, close your eyes and, you know, picture wealth or picture abundance or, sure. you know, picture people uh, buying your book or the book flying off of shelves or you getting the Nobel Prize for literature or something like that. There's mm -hmm. more to it than that, right? It's not yep. just being passive. It's being right. active as well. And, and you could argue that that is um... – it is active in the sense that what you're doing when you're doing that stuff, um, and by the way, uh, you know, please don't do, do, people ask me all the time, Kristen, what's the right way to do this? And I'm like, there is the way that works for you. Um, so I'm going to do it differently than you're going to do it. Right. So find the stuff that works for you. And if sitting in the middle of the floor with your legs crossed and oming it out and visualizing literally a book flying off shelves, uh, does it for you. What you're doing in those moments is you are getting yourself into it's, it's like music. You're getting yourself into resonance. Okay. If you walk into a room and there's two guitars and you pluck the string on the one guitar, the same string on the other guitar starts to vibrate. So what you're doing is you're getting yourself into resonance with the things that you want to put it in very basic terms, how we were, which I prefer to put things in basic terms so that it's uh, not like for me, vibration. Of, well, that's kind of what I was saying, but yeah, no, I know. <laughs> um, no, it's better. People, they're like, Oh, they, you can get off lost in all this language. And then it's like, really what it is, is exactly what you said. You are helping yourself refocus. You're popping the, the lens back from very, very tight shot <laughs> where all you can see is your eyeball to you're popping it back so that you can maybe have a much wider range of focus. So that's what you're doing. Um, you're putting yourself into resonance. You're putting yourself into an openness and a receptivity to, hey, maybe there is um, opportunity everywhere, even but though I feel like crap. You, you know? still have to get off the floor, though, don't you? Well, not if, if, hey, if you're happy like that and all of your needs are met. No, you don't. I'm not here to tell you you have to get off the floor. 
for my needs to be met and for my happiness, yeah, then you yeah, got to get up. But I mean, floor. it's not going to be, you know, hello, big bag of money. Here you go. I set my dog here's, off. Sorry. But here's, <laughs> yeah, but here's the funny part about that is sometimes that's exactly what is being presented to us and we still aren't seeing it because if you're not in that resonance, you're not going to see it. Someone could be smacking you in the head with the big bag of money and you're going to be like, my head hurts. You're not going to turn I around. I see what you're saying. I understand. Money, right. So um, that's what it is, is you're taking that time, which is very, very important to get in a, a higher frequency uh, where then you will potentially walk out in the world and see those things. And here's why, because it's not about the action you take. It's about what is motivating the action. It's about the intention behind the action that determines everything. Um, good example is. Back in the day, I remember going into one audition and feel I needed that job. And I worked really consistently. And this is one period of time where I was like, really need to get a job right now. And I walked into that audition. I might as well have not gone in. Because when you go into anything in that desperate way, you reek of it. And you're, you're, you know what? People are like, ah, oh, that, that's heavy. I don't even know what that is, but I don't want any part of that. Um, then there was another time where I walked out of one audition because I was like, I'm not going to book this. And I wasn't stressed about it and walked in the door to another into a different audition. And um, meanwhile, all that's happening is you're auditioning. There's no difference in the action. But what was going on within me, you know, I booked my first huge national tour where I was like playing a lead and, you know, all of this stuff. So it's what's motivating it. It's if you're stressed out about it and you're clamped down and some people will then argue, and I used to be one of these people, no, 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 but it's in those moments that I'm able to create things out of thin air, that magic happens. I would strongly suggest, because I used to think that, and then when I went back <laughs> to the replay and looked at my life, I went, oh, no, it isn't. I, it seemed like it was connected to those moments of stress. It was actually in the moment that I let go that that's when, I, that's when the moment of inspiration would happen. Does that make sense? You know, it does. It actually resonates with me in a story that uh, happened with me a long time ago before I uh, became a development executive and, and uh, producer. And I was just right out of college, and I was doing an internship for, uh, I mean, this ages me, of course, Orion Pictures, long, long time ago. Okay. I know, stop nodding. And uh, <laughs> yeah, she goes, yes, it was a long time ago. Uh, so Orion Pictures at the time, uh, I had uh, a script that Orion had passed on, but I read the script, and the coverage on the script was really good. So I read the script. I really liked it. And I thought, well, why don't I make it? You know, just no. And I didn't know anything. And basically, because I knew nothing, I, I had a partner. We called the writer, agreed. Uh, he got him to agreed him to give us the, the project for nothing. Right. Mm -hmm. We didn't, didn't charge us for it, but we had the project for like, you know, uh, three to nine months, I think, at the time. Uh, and then we he said, you know, I got to talk to my uh, agent about it. And I said, OK, um, it's, you know, who's your agent? And we said, well, his name is Bill Haber. And we didn't know that this is the guy yeah. that like created the, the creative artists agency. And so we said, sure, we'll call Bill Haber. Hey, Bill. Uh, you don't know me. I'm just a college guy. Just want to know, uh, you know, hey, I, this is script I'd like. He goes, yeah, okay. Let you guys have it. And we go, and we got to this point where the film was almost, you know, going to be attached to a, at that time, a legitimate producer. Right. It was the guy who produced uh, Blade Runner. And um, only because Blade Runner tanked as badly as it did did this project <laughs> never get off the ground. But the, the point was is that I got a thousand more feet yep. not knowing anything about it and not caring about who was big and important yep. versus somebody who said, you know, Bill Haber, you're never going to get in to see Bill Haber. Are you out of your mind? And it, it's, it, that's why it resonates with me. Yeah. And so it becomes about, and that's a great story, um, but it's so true. Sometimes ignorance is the best way in. Um, because you don't know. It's not that you don't know. It's that you haven't put all of this weighted meaning on it. Um, you know, so one of the, the because then it becomes about, well, you're not going to always have your blissful ignorance. So how do you do things where you do want them to happen and you are engaged in that 
wanting, you know, and it's a natural thing to want. Um, and I think it's a matter of you do you have it's it's the hardest part of getting any of this stuff that I work with people on is the whole um, you you need to know what you want. Um, you have to get in vibrational harmony with it. And then the hardest part is letting go how it's going to happen. Right. It's allowing yourself to go. I have no idea. I have no idea that like if I had written to the customer service people in hopes that I was then going to have, you know, basically have the company that never would have happened. That wasn't out of ignorance. That was just out of it never would have happened. I didn't even have that on it. The, the universe can provide things that you would never be able to imagine. So the second you start trying to plot out exactly how it's going to happen, and sure, you have to figure out some things, but that's the hardest part is letting go of our control of wanting to know, because we do not like to not know how things are going to go, even if it means that how it would go is like incredibly better than what we could ever imagine. It's scary. So we want to know exactly what to expect. Why? Because we are pre-wired to be concerned about the saber-toothed tiger that is chasing us. And it's not chasing us, but that's why. We're so busy looking at the things and for the things that might hurt us. And what we need to be looking for is the other stuff. Trust me, when you need to, like I haven't watched news. I watched the towers fall from my window in New York um, and was in the area where I had to show ID and have to go by armed guards. And it was horrible, horrible, awful time. Um, and I got absolutely obsessed with the news. Yeah, I think we all did. People did. And, yeah, I mean, of course, what are we doing? We're looking at what is all the stuff that might happen to us that might take us down. Problem is we're looking at the same thing over and over and over again. So now all we're doing, it's not like we're getting new information. And I, shortly after that, I realized, wow, that's, why would I want to live this way? Um, and I stopped and I have not actually watched the news since then. Now, I find I have it no really hard to do that, especially in this political climate. Of course. But here's the thing. I have always known anything I needed to know because you can, especially in this world. I mean, my God. But the difference is I know the things, but I'm not exactly what I said about during September 11th. I'm not hitting myself with the same information over and over and over again. But how do you know, how do you become informed enough to take a stand one way or the other? I don't want to be political on the show. Yeah, no, no, But no. If, if you... Well, if, with if, anything. If you're for something, if you're for mm -hmm. getting every, um, you know, all of the undocumented aliens out of here, unless mm -hmm. you have knowledge, unless you read and understand what's being done and how it's being done, do you agree with it or disagree with it? How sure. can you take a stand? Right. So I do that, um, not through watching the news, and I do it once, or I do it as much as my brain needs, to, but I don't sit there and daily read basically a regurgitated version of the same thing over and over okay. that just makes me feel like shit. So it's, it's the repetition that will make you feel like shit. Because mm -hmm. if you watch CNN, they've got mm -hmm. four minutes of news that, that you can get in four minutes, and then That's they basically great. repeat exactly it right. over and over and over again. Yep. Okay, and I understand that. You see, and but people do that. They're addicted to it. They're addicted to, let me look up every version of how this story played out. And it's so, you know, here's my thing is, uh, yeah, I'm going to get the information that I need in order to be informed. I'm going to choose the sources that I'm doing that so I don't feel like I'm beating beat over the head with um, that person's version or this person's version. I can um, have conversations with people. I can, you know, I'm, but I am not going. And so when I feel then inspired to take action, I do. Now, especially if, and this is going to happen, especially with everything that's going on, there are going to be certain things that you're like, I feel compelled to take action on this. And there are going to be certain things where you're like, I can't possibly take that. You know, I can't like you can't where it's hurting you, where, you know, the difference right. of going into the audition and you're clenched down and you're we're not helping anything by adding more mm, of this to it. In fact, we are we are helping anything. And it's what we don't want to be helping because we are giving anything that you give your life force to you give your life force to. Um, it feeds them. 
uh, it feeds it, you know, whatever it is, whether that's a fear in your head just to get it away from politics, whether it's something in your head or whatever, anything you're, you're giving your life force to, you are giving that away from yourself when it's in that negative thing. When you choose to, when you choose to give your, you know, when it's, it's like if, if you and I had a great moment where it's like, I'm giving some time to you and some energy and some focus, and then it feeds you. And so therefore it comes back and it feeds me and all of, that's a totally different thing. If it's not, if the giving is not taking from me, that's, that's the time. Got it. So let me shift just for a minute, because we are almost yep. out of time. So I want to, yep. I want to focus on um, the business side of things. Right. You know, we are, uh, especially independent authors, one of the things that really, really is helpful is building our emailing list. And, yep. you know, your most of your marketing is happening online. Yeah. Yeah. So what are you doing and how are you getting that marketing? What are you doing to drive people to your website, to your list, getting them to sign up? Um, a lot of it. Uh, has been through the connection that relationships are golden. So a lot of it has been through the years, the different connection I ha connections I have where, you know, we'll, um, so to speak, cross promote. Um, I will only do it with people that I believe in what they're doing in their product. Some people are not uh, quite so discerning. And these I are think the influencers in your business, in your field. Yes. Yes. Okay. So we will, the people that I resonate with and believe in, we will then, um, because there's a, there's a enhanced credibility that way. So the first thing is if you do have, um, people, that's the fastest, the smartest way to start purely because you're, you're, you're getting, you're transferred credibility. Okay. okay? So transferred credibility is huge. If that's all you do, though, to build your business, you're screwed. Um, it will last for a while, <laughs> but then you got to do more. Um, so for me, you know, it's going to be some Facebook stuff. Um, it's a lot of it is in. It used to be that you could, with anything, just have sort of one touch with someone, and they thought you were just the coolest thing on the planet. Um, now you need to you need to nurture people. There needs to be when someone comes into your world, so to speak. You need to indoctrinate them. You need to show them, um, you know, in my in my language, it would be show them some results first. Now you have to do it in a specific way so that they don't then go, great, thanks so much, and they're gone. Yeah, right. um, <laughs> but, you know, I don't mean that in a holding back way. It's it's built in a specific way so that no, the no. right people You're in want business. to continue working with you. Exactly. You are and in business. So, I mean, that's, let's not be naive. Yeah, and to people in right. a creative field, that – is I work with a lot of creative people, of course, because I have that world around me. Um, so I'm passionate about it. And I am passionate about how many creative types, man, it is so hard for them because they don't want to be salesy. They don't right. want to be pushy or even with a creative thing. They're like, I don't, how would I even get that out there? So um, a lot of it right now is appealing to authors. A huge thing to do is to do some, everybody wants to know who they're, getting in bed with now. They didn't used to care. Um, so now you, <laughs> right. <laughs> but you know what I'm saying? Yes. Uh, yes. On all levels. <laughs> um, so now it becomes up to you. You're in my personal opinion, someone else is going to come on here and tell you the exact opposite thing. That's how this world is. So if this resonates with you, it is the right path for you to take. If it doesn't go with that other person, neither is wrong. Biocondias. Um, but Here's the thing. It now you are not just your work. It's just how the world is. You are no longer just the work you put out. You are no longer just your book. I am no longer take my coaching and all of that stuff aside as a performer. I am no longer just the person who got up on that stage and sang. I people want to know the person now. Um so that has to factor in. Um because Again, that whole resonating thing, there, hey, there's so many people. And you have to jump off the page. If you are doing it just like everybody else, you're not going to jump off the page. So um, it's not being contrived. It, that's not what it's about. But it's about being as much you as you can be. And here's the hardest part of that to take, especially for creatives. And I get this, is we want everybody to like us. There's a reason, I mean, that's a natural state of everybody, but there's a reason we're all in this creative field is we're doing this thing that we're passionate about. And so if someone doesn't like it, we get it here and it's like a 
punch and you're, I mean, it's just horrible. And you're like, well, why, why don't you? And you want to focus. The instinct is to focus on being more likable to the people that don't like you. Okay. It's proven by, by your dog. Yes. Well, <laughs> wasn't a comment on you. <laughs> yeah, sure. Just sure. Barks and runs screaming from the room. <laughs> um, but the thing we need to focus on now, this is a, a time, oh my God, have we ever had more of a depiction of this? It's a polarizing time. There's something to learn from that. All we need to care about is the people that resonate with our stuff, with our voice. The rest of them, yes, I care about them from a human standpoint. Uh, you know, I want everybody to experience happiness and joy. Fact of the matter is, if you're not going to experience happiness and joy with what my creation is, with if you're going to hate my singing voice, if you're going to then I should, you shouldn't be coming to see me. So I'm going to stop wasting my energy trying to get you to come see me. Right. Instead, I'm going to shift my focus to who my people are that resonate with me. Because a lot of times we miss those people or we miss having as a profound impact with those people as we could, because it's really easy. You could get 300 compliments and one bad review. And what's the thing you're going to focus on? Of course, the bad review. Of course. Which comes back to exactly what I was talking and it's and it's human instinct. So congratulations, you're human. Um, and then it becomes about how do you have the skills to then go, hold on, totally human that I just felt that way. What really matters here? I know you think that that negative review is the only thing that matters and that means you're a piece of shit. But if something else really mattered here, if there was something else on the fringe of your viewpoint that really mattered here, what might it be? I guarantee you're going to be like, oh, the people that really loved it. You, and that's your only job. You're not going to be perfect. You are going to get off track. You are going to focus on the bad reviews. You're going to feel like shit. You're going to, and I'm not saying don't feel it. Like I'll sometimes I'll set a timer and I'll be like, okay, I get to feel like as awful as I possibly can. Normally I end up laughing because it's funny. Yeah. Uh, like babies like things move through them and then you take your focus back to the positive thing and i don't mean positive pollyanna i just mean hey if you hate country music and you keep tuning your radio to country music station stop doing it <laughs> that's really what it is <laughs> and on that brilliant note uh we're gonna wrap things up so uh people want to get in touch with you they want to get to your website they want to actually hire you what where do we go so um i actually i put together a, a gift be with the creative type in mind um it's an audio from me it's like a 30 minute audio it's called seven steps to beat overwhelm and finally get your life back so you could translate that to finally get your book back your story back your self whatever it is that you've got going on whatever um, you want back Whatever you want back, um, get sexy back. Whatever. No, that's a song. Um, so if you do go, if you do want that, go to gobigcoach.com forward slash seven steps, and you'll be able to throw your email address in. I'll send you a link to it through email pretty quickly, um, and that's where you can access that. If if you're like, well, I don't know if that applies to me, which I don't know who it wouldn't, but that's fine. If it doesn't apply to you, you can also go to lawofattractionkey.com and check out. I have a ton of uh, free video. It's my online magazine, so I have a ton of free videos and articles and all of that stuff there. Okay. Well, again, you have been fantastic. Thank you so much. I truly, truly appreciate it, and I'm sure everybody listening appreciated it as well. Thanks oh, again, it was great Kristen. Being here. Thank you. Bye. Bye.